Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Cover Your Tracks. As always, I am your host, Eddie Collins. First and foremost, before we get into today's episode, I just want to take the time to apologize for the long wait between episodes. Um, life got pretty crazy for a little bit, and things were hectic, and unfortunately, some things had to get put on the back burner, and the podcast was one of them. But I'm back, I'm recording some new episodes, I've got some new guests coming in, and I'm really excited about it. So hopefully you guys will stick around and you know enjoy the, the upcoming episodes. My guest on the show today is Tom Smith of the Acacia Strain, and he came on to talk about their new album, Slow Decay. And if you haven't checked it out yet, I highly recommend you do it. As of when I'm recording this intro, they're charting like crazy. They've done 12,000 total album sales. They're number one on the rock, number one on hard rock, number one on independent, number three on the internet, number five on current albums. Uh, five on Billboard Top album, Albums, five on vinyl, number seven in digital albums, and they hit number 87 on the Billboard Top 200. That is unreal for a band in this genre, and it's just, it's incredible the support that they've been shown by everyone, and I, I don't want to take too much time on this intro. I think Tom will talk enough about the album for you guys to kind of get what's going on, so... I hope you enjoy this episode, and I hope you enjoy my conversation with Tom Smith from the Acacia Stream. I'm doing good, man. I just, uh, I, my, it's my fiance's birthday today, but I was supposed to be on tour. So her and her like best friend had like little girls kind of weekend planned. Uh, and that's cool. I was like, well, you, you still go do that. Cause I was supposed to be gone. So she's <laughs> doing her thing and I'm, I just wrote a cool song that I'm pumped on, but Hell yeah. other than that, I'm chilling. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Yeah. That's it's, it's crazy right now. It's we were supposed to be on tour right now too, and it's yeah, it sucks. It definitely, it's it's this whole situation is just crazier and crazier by the day. Yeah, but, it's awful. The worst is like not knowing when you're going back. Like it's I'm normally like okay, cool, I've got X amount of months off, but yeah. now it's like when when are we gonna be back? <laughs> yeah, that's it just sucks like talking to talking to the dudes and stuff and everyone's just like we don't we don't know what's going on and we have no timetable yeah. for anything and I'm, <laughs> I'm like yeah but you know hopefully everyone kind of just finally starts taking it a bit seriously and we yeah can move on and do you uh back to i don't know how involved with like the the crowbot social media you are but do you guys get mm-hmm. messages asking like if you're still playing x shows like i uh we just got a, a message on our Facebook the other day saying like, are you guys playing at the Palladium tonight? And uh, I was just like, are, like, do you really think that we're doing that? <laughs> and somebody <laughs> else responded or uh, messaged us the other day was like, when's the next Florida show? And I just wrote back tonight and he got all pissed <laughs> off. <laughs> I was like, yeah, tonight. I He's think... like, what the fuck? Where? And I said, where do you live? <laughs> and he gave me his town. And I just said, sick, we're in your basement right now. <laughs> like, I was yeah, just we, like, I like, I, I don't have the 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 patience to be nice to somebody with this i'm gonna be an asshole right now i think i think we've had a few people but i think for the most part like 
everyone kind of knows that shit's not going down right now. <laughs> but th- there's been yeah. a few where it's like, is this is this show still happening? Are these are these two nighters still happening? And we're like, no, just go live life. Just <laughs> yeah, we'll be back. Eventually. Read the just just go on the internet for five seconds, and yeah. you'll know that nothing is happening correctly. <laughs> yeah, dude. It, like I said, like um, my girlfriend Amber and I just moved into our new house, and we got here about a month ago and literally Mm -hmm. right after we moved in um i was at work one day and i i slipped and i fell and i i hit my ribs on the uh like the corner of a table and bruised my ribs pretty bad and then the two days after that i started to feel kind of sick and she was like oh you might you know you might have an infection or something from the bruised ribs you know you mm-hmm. can get like pneumonia from stuff like that. And I was yeah. like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense maybe. And uh, it got a little worse the next day. And then I ended up with a really bad fever for like two or three days. And then Holy I lost, <laughs> I lost all taste and smell. And oh I said God. that to my mom and I was like, Hey, uh, I was like, I think I need to go to like an ENT, like an ear, nose and throat doctor to get this checked out. Yeah. And she's like, you know, that's like a telltale sign of, of covid and i'm like shut up i don't have covid and then i think that's true though i think that's like a yeah i think that's like a a good spot for it yeah so so amber got sick and then i was like Uh oh no and uh, i was like you know what just to be safe i'm gonna go get tested and that day she was like i can't taste or smell anything and i was like oh my gosh shit so no, yeah, I, I, we got our tests back. I got my test back, and I came back positive. And she was like, well, shit. maybe I need to." She's like, "Maybe I need to go get tested too." And I'm like, "Probably should." I'm like, "If they, yeah, if, if I tell them or if you tell them that I have it, they're probably not going to test you." But she ended up testing positive for it too, and we got really lucky because the day I took my test, all of my symptoms mm-hmm. went away. Like, oh wow! Uh, my fever, you must have my just fever had, was like, gone. Like a crazy mild version of it. Yeah, it was. It, it was terrifying though. Like it was. It was super scary because I, yeah. I like to spend a lot of time on Reddit <laughs> and like reading, <laughs> reading like people's you know stories about it and stuff. They're like, you know, a lot of people will be five or six days into it and they'll feel good, and then after that, it just like snaps, and it they yeah, take totally. a turn for the worse and. So like that five, six, seven, eight day mark, I was, my anxiety levels were so high just being like, (laughs) oh God, what's going to happen? And yeah, yeah, thankfully, thankfully everything went well. And she ended up, she's a, she works at a tattoo parlor and she's a, uh, she's a body piercer and she's doing her tattoo apprenticeship. So she needed to get a negative test before she went back to work. Oh so, yeah, totally. Thankfully, she's yeah, been back my, for a uh, while now. <laughs> my fiance runs a um, she owns like a private hair salon, and any if anybody like in the household, I mean, it's just me and her, but like if anybody tests positive, she has to automatically shut down for two weeks. Even if she oh, gets yeah. like a negative test back, she still has to mm-hmm. be out for two weeks. And uh, like I said bef- before, we started rolling. Like when I went camping with a few friends uh, last mm-hmm. week in in PA, it was like. All right, I'm going. I'll uh, I'm gonna get a test and I'm gonna hang out at my parents until it gets <laughs> negative, and then I come home. And luckily, it was negative and it was all good. But uh, oh, man. but yeah, the, just the I think the like the I think it's way scarier when you don't know, like because it's mm-hmm. you you're just in that limbo state. Like if I knew yep. that I was positive, it would have been like okay, I'm just gonna sit in 
I don't know, a hotel or something for yeah. a week and a half, two weeks. And then, but, but the not knowing it's like, fuck, what, uh, what am I supposed to be doing right now? <laughs> Who yeah. am I maybe getting sick? But it's mm. good. I mean, I was, I was negative. I'm sure you and your girl took the, the proper precautions when you were both positive uh, with it, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's crazy. We were locked in here for two weeks. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. you know, my parents <laughs> and my sister were like, Oh, we'll bring you groceries. What do you need? And thankfully her dad was like helping out and stuff. So it was it was scary, but it was good. Actually, I have a friend right now who's waiting in limbo for a, a test result to come back, and I was just like, "Man, I'm like, come on, negative yeah. test." <laughs> I'm like pretty positive that I had it like super early on, like before mm-hmm. it was kind of known that it was a thing. Like uh, at the end of a tour that we did, specifically Vincent and I got like the sickest I think we've ever been in our lives. Like I was sick Jeez. for like an entire month straight. Um, like to the point where I was like practically stuck in bed for a month. Uh, Good God. And then my fiance got sick for a month. And then, I mean, we're, we're, her dad lives like five minutes from us. So we spent a lot of time with him and then he got sick for like a month straight. And I'm just like, by the time the three of us got healthy again, it was like now, like then was when COVID was like really becoming an issue, but I'm pretty sure that we definitely got it like at like an early (laughs) mild stage of it, but it was, it was awful. <laughs> yeah. That's a, I know a lot of people were saying that they thought they had it early on. And, you know, that's what, you know, everyone's like, well, you know, your symptoms would have been way worse and all this. But, like, it could have been, you know, just a more mild stage of it before the mutations. And but who yeah, knows? Totally. We, and- we were we were in Seattle, um, mm-hmm. like, right when it was breaking real bad out there. And, like, yeah. I remember when we were rolling in, there was the stories of like the nursing homes and stuff with all these people and uh we played mm-hmm. the fun house and then i think we were in texas like a few days later and uh our guitarist bishop got really sick and none of us like you know thought that he had covid or anything like that because like mm-hmm. it was still super kind of fresh it was still like just landing in america and uh but he was bad he he didn't come out of the sprinter at all until we ended up playing like (laughs) even then like he would come in he would he would play the set like i would set his rig up for him um he would come in play and right back in the sprinter and like he would be out and i don't know what he had or you know if there's a possibility that he had it but no one else got sick so it was like damn that's so weird yeah how how like long of that was was it like just a day or two or no that was definitely like that had to be like five six days maybe like shit yeah from when he said that he started it yeah like i've gotten like crazy crazy sick for like a day at a time on tour like i uh i I genuinely thought that i was dying one time um (laughs) i had we we played at uh we played like a really small show in new jersey um Mm -hmm. and we went to uh, our buddy matt he he actually filled in on drums with us for like a year but uh kevin was back our normal drummer and we just like went to his house to sleep for the night and i slept on the floor because i was like puking and shitting so much like i uh like the floor of the bathroom and I like started blacking out. My hearing started to go, and I was like, oh, in my head, shit. I was like, I should definitely be going to the hospital because uh, I hadn't eaten for like an entire day, and I I lost like eight pounds in one night just from puking and shitting. Whoa. But I I had one week before my health insurance renewed because I had just turned twenty six, 
Yeah. And I was like, I am, this was like the week of Christmas. I was like, I'm not going to the hospital. Like if I don't Man. have insurance and I was just fully accepting that I might've been dying on his floor, <laughs> but I was like, I'm not going to the hospital. That's terrifying. <laughs> but but like, a bunch oof. of, but a bunch of days like that, like that's definitely more than just like a crazy stomach virus. Oh, absolutely. When you're like keeled over on someone's bathroom floor, <laughs> like I think it's a little more than a virus. It's gotta oh, be something man. crazy going so on shitty. inside you. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> oh man. Well, shit. Let's fucking. I don't know. Let's start diving into some some acacia strain stuff. Um, let's do it. Before we do that, I yeah. I have a tendency to be super long winded. So how long do you want to do man, this? Because I don't want to. You. I, can... I, have, I have to like know so that I could pace myself, or else I'll talk do... for fucking ever. <laughs> I like I annoy nah. myself with it. <laughs> honestly be as in-depth as you want i mean the people that listen to the show i mean the show is still relatively it's still super super small so like the people that listen to it i mean are people that enjoy podcasting anyway and usually like the long form stuff so okay i mean i just want to make sure because i've like done episodes with people where like they want it to be like 45 minutes and then mine's two hours long and i'm like oh Oh, no (laughs) i i do not care about length at all it's funny i actually (laughs) i I listen to a last podcast on the left like every day and i I went back to the yeah well i went back to the original episodes like the very early episodes um like right as henry zabrowski joined and stuff um and they're all mm-hmm. like 45 minutes and shit. And I'm like, man, like, <laughs> God, I wish these were longer because they were really like they're good episodes. And the yeah, topics I are like really long good podcasts always. Yeah, same. Especially I, like if I'm driving or something or doing whatever, like if it's something I can listen to the whole way and then like pick up and go back yep. to it. Like, I don't know. I'm just way more relaxed listening to podcasts and music most times. <laughs> yeah, I I get like. I, I don't know. I feel like with music, I'm just like, there's so many things that I want to listen to at once that I can't pick something. So I'm just like, all right, mm-hmm. well, a podcast is going to be people talking either way. So I know what that's yep. going to sound like. So let's just do a podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know exactly how it is. That's a, <laughs> I, I had some crazy bad anxiety stuff for a long time. And uh, mm-hmm. I started listening to uh, Shane told does lead singer. Oh yeah. His show's great. And, yeah and when i started listening to that it actually like it kicked me out of a lot of my like shitty headspace just from kind of listening to people talk about something i was interested in completely changed the way my head was working for a long time and like i i I could attribute a lot of that to podcasting and (laughs) yeah i could totally see that because i like got real into podcasts when i was so like i i live in north carolina now but i'm from jersey and i Mm -hmm. was coming down to raleigh a ton because that's where my now fiance then girlfriend lived Mm -hmm. uh so like every other weekend doing like eight hours each way like just to come here for two days and then do the drive again and then when i first moved here like i didn't have a job at first so it was like i was always home alone and like the i didn't (laughs) fucking know anybody here obviously so like yeah in like a sad sounding way podcasts were like the friends that i needed (laughs) oh yeah what got me super into them so i totally feel where like that could help with some anxiety stuff because i i mean i guess they did the exact same thing for me so i totally feel that 
I was in that same boat. When I moved to, I lived in Phoenix for a little bit. And when I was out there, it was the same thing. I would, you know, just come home and I would listen to podcasts and watch like Joe Rogan and stuff because it was like, I don't know (laughs) anyone. I I can't do anything and I can only clean my room so many times a day. (laughs) Yeah. Like like, I could only have so many conversations with our dog, like where I'm not getting a response back, you know? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, yeah, man. Go as long as you feel like going, honestly. Okay, word. I, as long as I know that, there's nothing for me to cut it off. I'll, I'll still try to be mindful, but I will. Uh, <laughs> as long as you don't care, then I won't be super stressed on it. Nice. Yeah, no worries. So, so you joined in. Um, you joined the Acacia Strain around 2016, right? Uh, yeah, I think yeah, 2016. That was like the first tour I did. I think it was like April of 2016. So yeah, about like four-ish years, a little over four nice. years. Awesome. Did you uh you did you record on Grave Bloom? So it's funny that was like the the first it, it, it's funny that the first record that I was playing with them was like the mm-hmm. one that I did nothing on cuz I was working for um Will Putney for a while and um I mean even for a little bit Machine as well which is actually how I got to know your band before that you were in the band that, but uh That's awesome. But I was working <laughs> yeah, I was working out of Machine Shop Graphic Nature so I knew I knew the Crowbot guys, um, but that's how I like met the Acacia Train dudes. Like they had come in to do the Above Below seven inch, and that was like the first gig that I ever had as like a hired person. I didn't engineer it, but I did some like editing work and a bunch of like mix prep stuff. Um, oh, cool! So that was like just when I became friends with them, and then they did Coma Witch also, and I got to do a lot more engineering on that, and then. Um, ironically like when i made the decision to stop working at the studio because i wanted to focus more on playing like the only person that i told in the band was devin which is kind of like almost weird because i wasn't super close with him and like the only it was like a really hard decision for me to make like leaving working there so like i didn't really tell many people about it because i was bummed on it but for some reason i told him and ironically like three days before that their guitar player richie who i was friends with quit and he was like, well, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, Richie just quit. So you've recorded the past couple records. You want to just come play with us? So, wow. Um, yeah. So I was and that was like right before Grave Bloom. Like they had already written, I think, like six or seven songs for it. And they were finishing up the writing on the tour that I did with them. But I, I, I didn't want to like overstep any boundaries of like, hey, can I write with you guys, even though I'm still just a fill in dude? Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's just kind of funny that like the first record that I was kind of in the band for i didn't touch writing or engineering <laughs> but uh that's kind of but yeah the, so i didn't i didn't do anything on, too <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i didn't do yeah. anything on grave bloom but uh yeah that was like when i joined the band like that era of the band oh cool very cool that's awesome so then um i'm guessing it comes in waves then was your your first like head-on yeah. writing session kind of you know yeah and i kind of those guys yeah, and I, I I had like a very heavy part of that, both on the the writing side and I did most of the engineering work on it. Um, oh, just because it like me and uh, well, like we did that whole record ourselves, and me and Griffin, our bass player, were both like the studio guys of the band. Like he's owned a studio in Des Moines for like ten years. I've had, I mean, at this point, like twenty seven I think I started working with will and machine when I was like nineteen or twenty, so at this point it's been almost ten years of me doing studio stuff um oh that's and really cool yeah so so it was like 
we did all the writing for it and then we we tracked drums at griffin's studio like two days before we left for a tour and then i tracked all the guitars leads and bass on on the tour on like at airbnbs uh (laughs) so so yeah there's like a i'm i'm really heavily involved with that like i did a ton of the writing on it did most of the engineering on it so that was like my first piece of working with the band in a creative sense but it was also like i just dove headfirst into it because and i think that the fact that i didn't really do anything on grave bloom kind of made me more um it, it had like I had more fire for writing the next thing, you know? So that's why it was yeah. like, I just had, I had a ton of content. Cause it was like, I've been working on stuff for years. Think like wanting to write with them, but not knowing when it was appropriate. And then yeah, once yeah. it comes a wave started, it was like, okay, I've been in the band for a few years. I'm just going to go all out with it. <laughs> nice. So going into that album, was it like, was it already like a conscious decision that it was going to be, you know, a concept album of sorts. And did that like change the way you started writing for it in any way? So that like it comes in waves was a really, um, really difficult thing for us to start. In my opinion, um, Vincent had this idea like it, it was, it's the brainchild of Vincent for sure. Cause he was like, when we were on warp tour, he brought it up. He was like, let's do like a really weird album. Like we all really love like, doom metal like neurosis and sleep and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and he was like let's do like a doom record and i was like uh okay like which was for me it was like a weird thing to fathom because we were in the middle of warp tour and we were doing really well on it like i think i think somebody had told me somebody who works for warp said that we were like the third highest selling band of the entire festival all summer which was mind-blowing to me yeah Um, and, and it was like super sick to be playing some new stuff from grave bloom and i was like oh well okay i mean i'm down to do something weird but i kind of also want to do like an acacia strain record you know (laughs) um of course and so like that alone made it weird but i personally couldn't like figure out what the fuck vincent wanted um he (laughs) like he he was like I think it was because he was kind of still figuring out his idea with it too. He just knew that he wanted to make a record that was the Acacia strain, but also was not the Acacia strain. Um, So like we get back from warped, it's probably like six months before I really started writing for it just because it was like me trying to figure things out. I had then like, that was also when I was moving to North Carolina. So I had just like, a lot of moving pieces in my life um yeah but when i got down here that's when i like really sat down to focus writing stuff for it comes in waves and i think vincent and i were probably in like the most communication about it just because um we had probably discussed it the most out of anybody and me and him have like a very similar i mean we all like the whole band has a very similar view on music but i think at that point in time he and i were like the most musically close um so i think we were just kind of in the most talks in that at that time period because of that and i started writing stuff i would like send him stuff first just so that i could understand the idea and be like am i getting any closer with this and so yeah. I, I had written probably like three four songs sent it to him and it was always like a you're close but but this isn't it this still isn't it and one day i finally got so pissed about that that i was just like i don't know what you want i'm gonna just write tom smith music and if this is it great and if not i'm gonna just keep it and put it out for myself so 
Um, the first, <laughs> the first thing that I wrote that was with that with that mentality was the first song on it comes in waves hour and i sent it to him and he just wrote back this is exactly what i want and i was like okay cool so i'm just gonna write the way that i would like if i were to write a solo record this is what i would do and then it was kind of it made that writing process really easy because it was like oh the idea for this is exactly what i want to hear and play Cool. Yeah, I'm gonna do that. And uh, there's there's it, no the, better feeling than getting that this is exactly it kind of message. Yeah, too. like <laughs> especially with something like so strange. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I, I I think I have like a very when I, when I just sit down and play, I don't think I write very similar to the band, and which is kind of what like gave me some anxiety at first with even joining the band because as much as the Acacia Strain has been one of my favorite bands for years, like. Mm-hmm. the 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 approach to writing was like something i'd never done before so i yeah. think honestly like it comes in waves being the weird thing to start with was probably probably led to better material from me on um slow decay also because i had the like confidence of oh shit i can write for this band even when it's weird i gotta be able to write for it when it's like the band's normal sound you know oh um, uh, of course yeah, but I I can't say enough about how much I loved the whole process of It Comes in Waves, despite the fact that it was super stressful and probably some of the only times the band has ever argued and fought with me, like in my whole time of being in the band. But it came out oh, in a, a really cool way. And uh, like all of the struggle to lead up to it was very worth it, in my opinion fuck yeah dude no i i i love the album when it dropped i was i was super excited about it and yeah, just, <laughs> Thanks, just the, the doominess of it and it just oh it's just so heavy it's so much fun to listen to <laughs> it's one of the ones yeah, that i, I go still, back to I, a lot i felt like i mean i always feel like a narcissist whenever like music that i'm involved with gets put out because i listen to it a ton but like i still <laughs> catch myself like jamming it comes in waves and now it's now that it's like simmered in me for a while, there's a million things that I would have done differently with it. Um, mm-hmm. But but yeah, that was one that like when it dropped, I was like, okay, fuck yeah, I'm super pumped to be still listening to this, and I'm I'm happy with what we did. I'm still happy with yeah. it, but there's just things that like little things that I never would have thought of in the moment. I'm like, fuck, I wish I could go back and just add this texture. Like so, nobody uh, else would probably yeah. ever hear it, but I hear it every time. And I'm just like, fuck. <laughs> mm-hmm. I used to do that stuff with like, with uh, the one pop punk band I played with. And I go back and listen to the album and stuff. I'm like, man, I would have loved a stacked harmonies right here. Or like put yep. <laughs> this guitar lead in there. Like, and it's no matter what, like you just, once you hear it, you can't unhear it. <laughs> so yeah. It's so it's like every time back. you hear it, you're just like, yeah, you're like accidentally disappointed in yourself every yep. time, but at the same time, pumped on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So then uh, with going into Slow Decay, like, you know, what did you have to do differently going into this to to write? Like you were saying, you know, with... um sorry with it it comes in waves it was more of like you know once you figured out that it was just you know oh this can be a tom smith type you know jam mm-hmm. record type thing what was going into slow decay like for you so going into slow decay was um it was incredibly nerve-wracking while also very simple and i'll mm-hmm. i'll explain what i mean by that like i was 
I mean, we had just finished It Comes in Waves, I think, three months before we had to go in to write and record Slow Decay. So, oh, so you're still super fresh in it. Yeah, like I was like, I mean, I think kind of all of us were a bit burnt on just making music. Um, Mm -hmm. Not obviously not because like we didn't want to, but like, I mean, It Comes in Waves is very involved in in all senses of it. So it and and especially because we did the whole thing ourselves, it was like very mentally taxing. Um, Mm -hmm. But but at the same time we knew that it was going to be a more traditional Acacia Strain record. And for me, that was really helpful because I I had it in my head. Th- and this is just me personally talking. There was actually a lot of like disagreement between a bunch of us on the direction that Slow Decay should go in. But I personally, and I think this might just be because it was my first attempt at writing like a traditional sounding Acacia Strain record. I personally wanted to bring back a lot of the like continent and wormwood vibe and yeah i really think that that's just because i'm really competitive like i (laughs) and this is no disrespect to dl i think what dl did with the band is awesome but Mm -hmm. there is nothing about the band now that i think is less good than when dl was in the band like i think we're Mm -hmm. a better band physically and mentally than when like that was the lineup with dl and the other thing was like I was so sick, especially when we did the Continent tour. I was really sick of people saying like, "Ah, oh, too bad DL couldn't be on this." And I was just like, "I we need to I like I personally need to figure out a way to shut people the fuck up." So my yeah. way of doing that was I'm gonna prove that we can still write music like that, but not have it just be a rip off. Because the last thing I wanted to do was like sound like I was trying to rip off DL. Because I mm-hmm. that's not my intention, and I mean. I'm confident enough in my own songwriting that I think I can do that sound better. And I mean, like I said, that's not me trying to be like, Oh, I'm better than DL. But I was like, I don't need to try to just bite off this, but I'm going to study it, figure out why things feel that way. And I'm going to try to make that be a focus of mine. Um, So the mental like exhaustion from it comes in waves was like the big thing that made it kind of nerve wracking. But the knowing that I had kind of like, purposely set a box for myself of what i wanted to do made it very (laughs) um kind of like kind of liberating because i was able to go okay i'm gonna take like a theme for what i want to write and i'm gonna stick within that theme but be as creative as i can like i uh when i write i'm very into choosing like a theme like the uh (laughs) and that doesn't necessarily mean like a concept like um but i but what i mean by that is like with it comes in waves I figured out that the way to get the vibe of it was a lot of big octave chords and like open strings and just being like real flowy. And when I think about Wormwood and Continent, the common ground is always like those dissonant tritone chords. So I was like, all right, well, Mm -hmm. I'm going to make that a focus. Like I'm going to I'm going to lean on these as as what at least makes that sound and maybe will make it feel like it's kind of going backwards but I'm going to still write Tom Smith songs with those limitations. So it was, it was super liberating, but also like very um, just, just taxing because of doing it comes in waves so quickly before that. Like, I think I had, I think I had three songs written before the record. Devin had three. I think Griffin had one. And, but I personally wasn't pumped on anything we had. Like I was like, when we got to the studio to start slow decay, I was like, we're fucked. Like, 
we um, we burnt ourselves out on it comes in waves we're so fucked and then <laughs> out of nowhere it just kind of hit me and i got a ton of inspiration like all at once and i'm i'm typically like a very quick songwriter like if i can't mm-hmm. write a song in two hours i generally think that it's me overthinking it or it's not gonna mm-hmm. work because if it doesn't flow out of me it just doesn't feel right but we had three separate like writing rigs and writing rooms where we could kind of work separately, but then pop in and work with each other whenever we needed it. And it just kind of like the day our producer Randy got there, like all kind of hit me. And I think within that first, I think I wrote like eight or nine songs within the first like four or five days that we were there. And oh, wow. and then everybody else was writing. So- like I think at the end of the record, we had 17 songs plus a cover that we had recorded. Um, That's what I was going to ask how many you ended up uh, tracking and how yeah, many got cut. Yeah. So they're all, they've all been like recorded. The only thing is uh, the songs that didn't make the record don't have vocals on them yet. Just cause Vincent was like, I'm going to just use up my lyrics with the stuff we know is going to make it. Um, yeah. But it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a, these songs are less good, let's not put them there. It was just Vincent went in order of writing from like the songs that he was the most pumped on. And a lot of the songs that didn't make it were stuff that the other, like myself and some of the other guys were pumped on. And I know that we wish a couple songs would have been on it, but I think I think they're like strong enough where they're not just like B-sides, you know? Like I, I always mm-hmm. get bummed when bands put out a record of B-sides and I'm like, well, this is just less good versions <laughs> of what's yeah. already on the records. I think those the remaining songs were just like, they were just Vincent's personal least favorites. So he just didn't focus on writing lyrics to them. Um, but they're, they're all going to get put out eventually. But, but yeah, it was like a, once the stuff hit me, and that's kind of always how I am. Like when it hits me, it hits me really quick and I, I can really quickly like get all my ideas out. And I think a lot of that helps with how like much experience I have in a studio. Like I can get mm-hmm. my ideas out really fast before they escape me. Um, yeah. But yeah. It was that's, like, that's once, one of my big problems. Start, <laughs> yeah. And, and that was a big problem for a really long time with me. And I mean, that's actually not that this is really relevant, but I know a bunch of friends that like, they like to smoke weed or like drink while they're writing just to kind of be in a different headspace. That's like why I can't do anything like that. Cause I just like my brain is firing too quickly. And if I'm like stoned or something, I, the ideas just fly out before I can get to them. Uh, <laughs> I'm not, that's really relevant, but it's just kind of like where I'm at with writing. Like I've always just got to be real quick thinking with it or else I lose the idea. And, and I, I like that. Like I like the, the committing to something on the spot and, Mm-hmm. not overthinking it and moving on because i think i think when you start overthinking things that's when you really drag the song down but uh yeah but yeah that's that's like the i mean like i said long-winded on everything but that's like the initial <laughs> feeling about how slow decay started cool that's very cool and i before we even dive into the album just it's it's so good <laughs> it is it is <laughs> thank you man <laughs> a, it is such a good acacia strain album like I mean, being a fan, like, you know, I've, I've listened to every album and I think they're all great. You know, I think Coma, which is awesome. And, you know, Death is the Only Immort- the Immortal. And, you know, I loved Wormwood and everything. Continent was like my shit. But like mm-hmm. getting excited for this album, like the, the way that you guys, you know, released the two tracks at a time and spelled out the decay. And it was this is the most excited I've been about the Acacia strain in in a while. And I, and I think that you guys did it really well. Like, I think you did it the perfect way and 
you know, built up exactly the amount of hype that was needed to to push this thing. And I just I, I hope you you know you guys nothing but success with this. I, I, that's know, awesome I thank you man see it's it, funny i see it already I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i i've never seen even before i was in the band like i've never mm-hmm. seen this much of a positive reaction from an album an album so i'm i'm definitely pumped on that and it's really funny that uh how like well the two songs at a time worked out because i was super mm-hmm. against it at first uh i'm like I don't listen to singles from bands like I always wait for the record because I, I just hate listening to one song because you can't you can't understand the yeah. vibe of a whole album from one song. Um, I mean, at least I usually can't. But Griffin, like we had all had the idea together of like doing a seven inch series at one point, but I was like not pumped on it for this music, I, especially mm-hmm. because I knew that It Comes in Waves was going to be coming out before it. I was like, I don't know, man, like we're hitting them with real weird stuff are we going to go weird yeah. again right in a row? And uh, I, everybody else was real into it. I trust, especially like it was mainly Griffin and Vincent that figured out the logistics behind it. But I mean, mm-hmm. especially when Vincent is like really passionate and believes in an idea, I kind of don't have a choice, but to trust him. Like he's been the mainstay of the band for almost 20 years now, and it's only been mm-hmm. going better since then. So it's like, I just kind of have to go. All right, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna trust Dad here, and yeah. <laughs> I did, and it worked out fucking perfect. <laughs> and it was no, it was a really cool release, and it made it exciting for us too. Yeah, it was. Um, I was actually was it two days ago? I think. Well, I guess it was on release day. Um, when the uh, the merch limited, uh, variant went up. It was supposed. I guess it was supposed to be the tour variant, with the uh, oh the yeah, spray, yeah the screen printed and. And the, mm-hmm. and the slip mat and i was like oh you know what i'm gonna pick this up so i went and i ordered it and then like immediately immediately after that i went on the instagram and the first post i saw was from the band page and it you know it said like oh it's up on merch limited and the first comment was like yeah nice try guys <laughs> it's already sold out and then i was like what and i went back and looked and i was like oh shit I got one. <laughs> well, so yeah, it's funny because as you said that, I was like, "Holy shit, he got one!" Because I like so people were trying the in the comments I saw people were trying to like accuse us of like I don't know like fucking with them and like baiting them into getting excited, even though it had been released. And in reality, like <laughs> the the our our like social media person who runs most of our stuff, she just. Mm-hmm accidentally messed up like the time zones because she lives in california everything uh, had to come out at like eastern time but i think she posted an hour early by accident or it went live and like it was literally just a mistake and people were really mad and they thought that we were like trying to fuck with them but oh, it man. was straight up just like a mistake <laughs> in when it went live oh <laughs> uh, that's crazy yeah because as soon as i saw that i was like no shit like i just placed my order how did that go that fast <laughs> And yeah, sure I was enough, shocked was that gone. you said that you actually got it. <laughs> I thought that yeah. you were gonna say, I thought you were gonna be another person who like went for it and then it was sold out. I was like, fuck again. That's why, like, but I, I went back and I'm like glad made sure it. I had the confirmation. I was like, dude, like, did I get the the email? I'm like, no, nah, it says it right there. Yeah, okay, I'm yeah, good. That's, <laughs> that's sick. Well, because I, I I didn't I forgot about it. Dude, I'm so bad with like keeping track of all the shit we have, especially with the way that we release this. That yeah. When I went to go post it, I was like. Oh, I'm an hour late, and it's it went up an hour <laughs> early by accident. Uh, I'm not even gonna bother posting this because it's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, 
I love it. Well, <laughs> shit. Let's uh, let's dive into the album then. It's just uh, let's hit it track by track, and you can give a little insight. And if you want to get into like the writing or some like you know some stories behind it or whatever, and yeah. I'm down with anything. Hey, yeah, hey, let's start totally. with. Uh... I... Oh, go ahead. The the first thing that I just want to preface the whole record with, because <laughs> I feel like when I talk to some people about it, they feel like we were really divided when we wrote it, <laughs> but we were all all together the entire time. Like, uh, like I said before, we had like three Griffin Studio. It's since he's since moved to a different location, but the spot that we recorded at it had three rooms. So it was like a little lounge area that I had set up in uh, the live drum room that Griffin had his own little writing rig in. And then mm-hmm. uh, Randy, our producer and Devin sat together in like the main control room. Cause he's not very like recording savvy. So like they work together. And because of that, it's like, we all kind of have songs that we wrote, but we all like finalize them together. So I just want to get mm-hmm. that out there before it's like, Oh, this is a this is a Tom song or this is a Devin song, and it sounds like yeah. one person wrote more than the other, or wrote less than the other. Like it, it was very much like a collaborative thing. So, if I like mention whose song it was, that just means that the like the skeleton and the main idea. Like, there's one or two songs that like we wrote that stayed note for note, but in general, it was like we all worked at our own separate rigs and then brought it together. So. I'm down to go track awesome. by track. I just wanted to get that out there and have it be known that it was like a very much team effort kind of thing. Oh no, that's awesome. I, that's actually really cool that you guys that you guys were able to do it that way. Yeah, it was sick, and I I only want to ever do it that way again because it worked so <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, let's start with a uh, feed a pigeon, breed a rat. It feels like. That was, I wrote, that was one that I wrote the day that Randy, our producer, um, flew in. Like I, it was, it was funny cause Griffin, even though we were at his studio, he was like at work that day and it was mm-hmm. just me and Devin at the time at the studio. Um, but because Devin flew and I drove from North Carolina to Des Moines, I had to go mm-hmm. pick Randy up and I was like, well. I'm str- I'm struggling. I'm stressed because I think all of our songs suck right now. <laughs> I have to. I'm gonna like just force myself to sit down and write something right now. And I I don't like writing with others like in the moment. Like I like to write mm-hmm. what I can write, and then I like working on it with others. But I have to get like my idea out before other people can work on it with me, or else I'm just sitting there like antsy and angry that I can't get my thoughts down. Um, yeah. So. I'm kind of similar, but like, (laughs) I'm kind of similar to that, but I like, I like being in a room with other people. Like if I'm writing guitar parts or something, working with, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody on that, but like, cause I get really, really in my own head when I try to track stuff by myself and I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, well, you know, this, this kind of sucks or this riff kind of sucks. And then, you know, you think about it too much and then you overanalyze it and that it 
the whole thing goes to shit. But when I'm with somebody else yeah. and like, you know, if I play a riff and I'm like, oh, like this kind of sucks. And they're like, no, just, just try to do this instead. I was like, and I'm like, oh yeah, that makes so much sense. It's, I feel like it's so much easier for me to write that way. Yeah. That's, and that's kind of like what I mean by like when we all worked separately, but then together, like the, mm-hmm. like, like, um, like, like, like I said, I have to be kind of like in my own element to write the, the first draft of the song. And yeah. if I have somebody being like, no, that's cool. I don't believe it in that moment. So that's kind <laughs> of like why I like to do as good as I can on my own first and then bring it to them. Cause then it's like a more sense. open to the reassurement of, okay, this is actually good. Like you might not like it right now, but we agree that this is like, this can stay. Don't worry about it. And even like mm-hmm. when I'm at home, like if I really want to get into writing, I'll work in headphones just because even, even having my fiance hear me writing something and like, she's not judging my first draft of a song, but I'm just like, well when i write i write something bad and i just try to rework it to make it good i don't want to hear her to hear it be bad so that's why i'm like i've got to be on my own in headphones or something but with feet a pigeon it was kind of that route but Devin was in the room with me but i didn't Mm -hmm. have a set of headphones so i was just using griffin's speakers and there was like some moments where he would chime in and i would just kind of ignore him because i was like (laughs) i just got to do this right now like you're you're mostly just chilling. You're just kind of giving your two cents here and there. I need to figure this out. So, so that was one, that was the first one that I wrote in my like panic mode of, Oh my God, all these demos suck. I need to write something new right now. Um, oh man. And, and it was like, I finished it five minutes before I had to go run to the airport to pick up Randy. And I was like, Randy, I have a song like he, before he even put his bags down, I was like, you have to listen to this. Like, tell me <laughs> if I'm at a good point. Uh, and meanwhile, like Devin's like, I told you this was good the whole time. I was like, I know, but I, 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 I needed to get it out, man. Like it was, it was just something that's just how I always am. It's, it's, it's a flaw, but it's also just kind of how I've learned to write and what gets the best out of me. But, uh, but yeah, that was like the very first one that I wrote with like a, okay, man, you've got to get your shit together and write some good songs for this record right now. Uh, yeah. But that was like That's awesome. The I think I think the fact that like that was the first one that was like for the record after the pressure and then having Devin like it, having Randy like it, and then showing it to the mm-hmm. other guys like when they got there that night or the next day, them going, okay, yeah, this is a cool start i was like okay Mm -hmm. i'm on the right track and that's like kind of where all the inspiration started so it was cool that that became like the first track of the album because it was like what really spawned all of the the work with it oh that's that's yeah i was gonna say it's the the fact that it was like the first song that you were like real stoked on ended up becoming the first track on the album that's pretty awesome (laughs) I, i still don't i still don't think i was stoked on it until we actually did the final tracking of it but i was like Mm -hmm okay, at least I'm getting some positive feedback for this. So it like made me oh, yeah. trust myself a little more. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, yeah, let's go into track number two, uh, Crippling Poison. one was 
probably the hardest song to write for the entire album, honestly. And it's funny because oh, wow. it's like two it's like two riffs the entire time. Um mm-hmm. this was another one of like Vincent's ideas that was really hard to digest and figure out. Um mm-hmm. he had he had texted me and he was like listening to a lot of like uh like turnstile and angel dust because it like mm-hmm. he's a very seasonal listener with his music and it was summertime around then because we recorded the record in september of last year uh mm-hmm. so he was in like his summer listening mode which is a lot of like more like dancey kind of like light-hearted music and he messaged yeah. me and was like do you think we could pull off like a like a turnstile kind of song one that's just like it it just grooves like crazy but it kind of doesn't go anywhere. You just find that groove and lock into it. Cause that's like, to me, the coolest thing about turnstile is how much they can repeat and just let things rock. And it still feels new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I probably had spent, Oh my God, hours and hours every day, just trying to hum riffs to myself and think about ways that it could work. And I was convinced that there was no fucking way. I was like, there's, there's no way that this song can work for the occasion strain. Like I, I'd spent so much time trying to figure it out. And, uh, it was, and, and like, as far as me, I'm like the only guitar player or songwriter in the band that's really into like angel dust and turnstile. So I, I think that's why Mm -hmm. he came to me for it, but I was like, I don't know, dude, like, I don't think this is happening. And I, now that I think about it, I think crippling poison was the last song written for the record. And we were, we were sitting around listening to a bunch of demos and talking and I had a guitar in my hand still just like. I have to do it. Like if I can't make this song happen, I'm going to be pissed at myself. And I know it's something that <laughs> really wants to do. And while we're sitting there, like all together, like the six of us, I was like, Oh my God, I got it. And I was like, I- I'll be right back. And I ran out of the room. And I think in like 35, 40 minutes, I had wrote all of crippling poison. And we had like, we sat down together and listened to it. And we only changed one or two things about it. Um, mm-hmm. But it was like, it just worked somehow like it it all just hit me at once like the whole entire song hit me like in a split second i was like okay i i have it i figured it out and then showing it to them they were convinced <laughs> it was just like yeah th- this is it like you figured it out and i was oh, so shit. fucking pumped about that <laughs> and uh Man. the probably my favorite part about it and most people's favorite part is the like the cuts with where the guitar stops at the mm-hmm. at the middle section like the lyrics like uh I'm going through some shit. I feel fucking sick, whatever. That was actually a total accident by Randy. He was like cleaning out some stuff in the session. And uh, like while he was mixing it, he, he forgot to unmute or he forgot. Yeah. He forgot to unmute the guitars during that section and he heard it and he was like, Oh my God. And he, he like (laughs) sent us a, a video on his phone. He's like, what do you guys think? I think this is what makes this song. Like this is a total accident, but can we can we do this what do you guys think and we were all obsessed with it and it was just cool that like the happy accident is what made that song even better than it was oh that's so cool that's that's the craziest thing like being able to have that epiphany (laughs) like i got it we did it and then randy's like i messed up but this is sick (laughs) yeah yeah i mean i'm all about like the happy accidents i think that's kind of where like the coolest most spontaneous shit happens when you like oh yeah you're trying to do something and you fuck up but it spawns a totally new idea and it it just transformed that song for me uh, i love it. it's it's my favorite track on the album i think it's it's a toss-up between that and seeing god 
I think. That's awesome. (laughs) I've seen a lot of people say that, and I don't know if it's just because it's the newest thing, but like the second that that song got written, I was like, this is this is Mm -hmm. the one like I I always love the songs on records that are like the weird one off that shouldn't work, but for some reason does. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's what crippling poison is. That's the groove of it. Like you were saying is definitely what what drew me into it like almost immediately i was like oh shit like this thing is is, it's a ripper like it's hot (laughs) it just doesn't (laughs) stop and it's yeah two minutes and 35 seconds or whatever but like it just crushes you yeah and we don't have many sing-alongs and i think that's like the sing-along track so i was like fuck this is like if i mean obviously nowadays we aren't fucking playing any shows but that's yeah. the one that i'm like we have to play that live <laughs> uh it's gonna be huge it's yeah it's gonna be crazy <laughs> that's like a that's a closing song charge the stage just go nuts oh, yeah. kind of thing for in my opinion yeah. and i hope that's how it goes you never know what new music but <laughs> i think that'll be one that goes over pretty well live <laughs> absolutely it's crazy I, getting off topic for a second the last i think it was the last time i saw saw you guys was uh on the continent tour with uh mm-hmm. and that was with, the, with after the burial right yep, yep. was that the same that tour, was that tour. Yeah. um it's really funny so I, I was straight edge for 20 26 years and uh uh-huh. ended up breaking edge for about like a year and a half and that was during that time and a couple friends of mine were like you know oh we're gonna go to this sh- we're going to go to the show. Do you want to go? And I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. So the way down, um, I smoked a little too much and I drank a little too much <laughs> and I didn't uh-huh. eat anything that day. And oh, the TLA was pure hot as fuck. Going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And the TLA was hot as fuck. And I was wearing a windbreaker. And <laughs> I remember just like hanging out. And I'm like, man, like these guys are fucking killing it right now. And my buddy James was like, he's like, go dance. And I was like, I haven't danced in a long time. <laughs> but then like, I got that like liquid courage. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to. So I went, in, <laughs> I went in the pit for maybe 45 seconds. And I thought I was going to die. I Dude, The older <laughs> I get, the more I'm like, how can these kids go this long? Like, I, Dude. I mean, I was never like a mosh kid, but... <laughs> <laughs> the very few times that that would happen, like where I would actually get pumped up enough to mosh, like a second, and I was like, "Fuck this, man! I'm tired yeah. already." Like I got man. it out real quick. Dude, <laughs> I, 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 when I when I got done, like I I went to like the, the back a little bit, and I was standing there, and I I started feeling like I was gonna throw up, and I was like, "Oh shit!" And then I was like, and then I felt like I was gonna shit myself at the same time, and I was oh like, God. "What is going on?" <laughs> So I was like, I'm gonna go outside and get some air, and then like I started getting tunnel TLA vision has real bad. One bathroom also. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I started getting tunnel vision like crazy, and I was like, oh fuck! And like I was like literally seeing pin spots, and I'm like, you're not oh passing God. out. I'm like, I've never passed out in my life. You're not fucking doing it right here. <laughs> and so I was like, I forced myself to go to the bar and get water, and I was standing there, and the set was over, and my buddy Jesse came over, and he's an EMT, and he just looks at me and he goes dude are you okay and i was like sweating <laughs> profusely and i was like yeah dude I've, I've never been better and he's like you look like a ghost he's like you are literally oh the God. most white i've ever seen a person <laughs> that's crazy uh, but that, i can definitely see where that could occur for sure oh <laughs> uh, yeah but that, that was like 
So that's the second time that I felt like I was going to die at a show. And the first time I felt like I was actually going to die at a show was in a pit for Jesus Peace, which oh boy, is a yeah, good segue <laughs> into seeing God since we have Aaron Hurd on the track. Yes, and he crushes it on that song. Man, so good. <laughs> that was uh so seeing god is i i love that song just because it's good first off but uh mm-hmm. that was one that that was one that i think the way that we were writing really came together and it made mm-hmm. like it showed me how good our kind of format of like the three of us are in different rooms and we could pop in whenever we need to um that was one that griffin had started and not too many people actually know this but griffin played guitar and too pure to die for like four or five years when he was way younger um oh no and shit. the intro riff yeah he was in that band for i think like five years um and the oh. intro riff of seeing god was actually a riff it was like an old too pure riff that he'd never got to record and it was like in drop c on a six string or something but he like started making the demo on like seven string and g sharp and it worked and uh mm. he had written like the first he wrote the the intro, the main riff, like the verse riff, and then uh, I f- he wrote something else on it too. But he kind of like, oh god, I'm burping. Sorry. He like hit a wall, <laughs> and I went into his room and uh, I was listening to it, and there was just something in it that I heard like immediately. I had, it, and it was just like the littlest thing, like the the kick, the 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 drums bass two-step kind of thing that was like a transition yeah. that he didn't have and he was struggling to like figure out a way to go back into the the verse or like go into the next part and i had just heard this thing and i was like yo try this thing out and he kind of he he understood what i meant but he wasn't i think it was such like a quick little idea that he couldn't figure out how to program it in real quick so i was like okay mm-hmm. can i uh can i just take these files and i could work on it he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I, I don't know where to go with it. So if you want to take it, I'll just start working on something else. And uh, I like I took his files, put it into my session and I had I took like two, two hours and I like finished the entire song. And it was just like that song was the first time where I was like, oh, we're like, we can do this in this situation and it's going to perfectly work out. Uh, oh, nice. So that was like. Yeah, that that song's just like I mean I love the song because it's a good song and it's super death metal and like yeah. heavy as fuck obviously <laughs> but that like as far as the the point in the writing that was where it was like okay I think I believe in how we're doing this like whereas maybe a day or two before that I was still like fuck what are we doing like I don't I don't know how we're making this happen but that was the song where I was like yep this is the right setup having us working separately and then like just spitballing ideas off each other i love that song everyone's kind of i'm sure everyone was finding their groove at that point too in a sense and it was kind of yeah that was like a a little easier yeah that was like day three or four of because we it was funny too because we only it only took us like three weeks to do the whole album um but we (laughs) had like i think because we also knew going into it that i was gonna record a bunch of stuff as well that Mm -hmm. and because randy and i had worked together so long like randy's from graphic nature and him and mm-hmm. I worked together every day for like four or five years that it was like, oh, cool. We can 
like I might be in this band, but we could still do this record kind of the way that we always did where like we do what we have to. And then when it, when it works out, like split it up where Vincent could work on vocals with Randy and I could be in another room, like either recording extra guitar layers or uh, like tracking bass with Griffin. And, and that was like, the that was just the song where it was like, okay, we're three days into it. We're kind of in a writing groove now. We still have four or five more days to write before we actually mm-hmm. start like the hard tracking of everything. And uh, yeah, seeing God was like the song that kind of like, I think made me believe in the entire process a little bit more. Not that I didn't believe in it, but it like gave me the proof of like, okay, we're getting somewhere. Yeah. No, that's awesome. When, before you guys went into the writing and like the tracking of the album, did you have an idea of who you wanted to guest on the album beforehand? Or was it kind of like going through song by song and being like, Oh, you know, this person would be good or this person would be good type thing. Um, we, I think we knew that we wanted Aaron on something. We were like, Mm -hmm. we're, I mean, we just like Jesus peace. We like all the guys. Um, we had, I mean, at this point, I think we've had like three or four tours that were supposed to happen with them. And something always happens last second where like, an offer like another tour is overlapping in a way that it doesn't work or like we're in the middle of a record cycle and they're in the middle of a record cycle so i mean you know how it is where like Mm -hmm. you have things that are supposed to work out and then something happens where you don't so i think that was kind of also like okay well if we're not gonna get these tours of jesus peace to work out for us let's at least get Aaron on the record and i mean Mm -hmm. he sounds like an actual like animal on his guest spot so it works out real real well (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of inhuman it's it's great yeah (laughs) (laughs) awesome well you want to go into uh solace and serenity Yes, that so the that's another one that I had wrote um like another one of those things where like I sat in the room, wrote it by myself and then brought it to everybody. Um mm-hmm. I originally named that song Bone Dry because I thought it sucked and I was like this is just <laughs> like a bone dry piece of shit song. Um but but then I I, I brought it into everybody and they all loved it. So I was like maybe it's just me, like maybe I'm just feeling a little weird about it but that was one that was very like i i kind of wanted to try to that i mean the whole everything that i wrote for the record was very much with like the older sound in mind but while updating it and i kind of Mm -hmm. wanted to take something that recreated like the ending groove of the hills have eyes but make it a verse like have it be something that could repeat because i think the ending groove of the hills have eyes is like that's always my favorite part of a set to play, but I wanted it to be something that could go in and out. Cause like, I think the beauty of that part in Hills is that it only happens once. Um, Mm -hmm. But I was like, how can I, how can I kind of capture that feel, but make it be a verse. And I just kind of was like thinking about that riff, thinking about some other riffs that I had in my head. And uh, I think I'd actually written the intro and the chorus for it first. And I was like, okay, I've, 
I've got to connect. Like, there's no way that this intro connects with this chorus. Like, it just felt mm-hmm. like the most droney, like, I don't know, like, it, it felt like it was just dragging like crazy. And then the that kind of vibe of like the end of a hills have eyes like a um almost like kind of like the end of send help also like just real like simple almost slammy kind of upbeat like it has a little bit of everything in that kind of vibe to it and it yeah it was really cool and then i as much as i liked the chorus it was like not what i wanted to be doing sonically with the record i was like this is this is kind of doomy of a chorus. Like I, I really want these songs to be like hard hitting, but I think Griffin said that that was like at that time was like his favorite moment of the entire album, like wherever that had gotten written. So I was like, all right, well, I mean, if he likes it this much, maybe other people do. I just got to trust the people around me. Um, but that was one that was like, I fucking hated it. <laughs> like I thought I, I was like, there's no way this is making the record. And then, randy loved it he was like yo this is solid like we have a lot to work with and then i mean we didn't actually tweak too much of it it was a lot of just like little transition things that the five or six of us had kind of like fixed up with it uh mm-hmm. but yeah that was a that was a fun one and I, it's funny too because i think to me the ending of it is so cool because we like pitch it down even farther like we're already on an eight string and f on that song and then it, it gets pitched down six more semitones. So it's like, Oh shit. I think it's a B like over a whole octave below standard tuning. Like, yeah, like the guitars are in B of what a bass would be tuned down to. (laughs) And, uh, but I think it's so low that people don't even realize it, especially with all the noise going on. But the ending is what really (laughs) like made that song for me. Uh, That's great. I love it. Cause that's the, is that the only part, the only point in the album where he mentions the slow decay or Vincent? Yeah. Says and that, slow decay. I think it, that, that was like kind of what made it even more solid. So, so another fun kind of thing with it. Um, so Vincent had gotten to the studio probably like five days after the rest of us. And then mm-hmm. a day or two after he got there, he, I, I had actually flown to Chicago to go, to a festival with my dad because my dad's a guitar builder and he built a guitar for Gary Holt of Slayer. So we flew to the That's festival cool. to go give the guitar to him. And um, he had started sending lyrics in that time. And that was when I was still kind of like iffy about that song. And he mm-hmm. sent us like literally just a picture of his handwritten lyrics for that. And I read them and saw like, and I knew that he wanted to call the record slow decay even before that. And, uh, when I saw that that was where it was, I was like, Oh, well, I guess this song is making the record. If it's like the kind of like the title track, you know? <laughs> so yeah. that, that definitely made me feel a bit better about it. I was like, Oh, cool. Like he, he's pretty pumped on this. So that was like the, that's great. The, to use, to use our own lyric as a pun, that was like the final nail of me being confident. of that song. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Dude, let's, uh, let's do the lucid dream.
that's my that is my favorite song on the record and that was oh awesome i think that was the second song that i wrote for it that that's another one that i wrote pretty much the entire thing for um Mm -hmm. that was one where we structurally had to all kind of fuck with but that's the one that i was the most pumped on before the record and still am the most pumped on and having jess from mortality rate on it like fully transformed it even into even being a song that i thought was even cooler but uh I was yeah, gonna say was, it, she had such a crazy element. One. Yeah, she had yeah, such she, a different element to it, and it's 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 pretty powerful. It's a pretty powerful. She guest sounds right there. nuts. <laughs> oh yeah, and I love so much that it's not just like a she's got one or two lines. Like I love that it's like kind of her song. Like I think she's actually in it more than Vincent is, and it <laughs> it's just so fucking cool to me. Did you uh, did you like have the, her come to where you guys were sure. recording? <laughs> Oh yeah. What was that? Did you did you guys have her come to where you were, or did she track elsewhere and just send files? Uh, it was just that she tracked elsewhere. Um, I wish she could have, but she lives in somewhere in Canada, and yeah, uh, she was actually her idea for being on that spot was actually like a. Uh, I mean, for the most part, other than Aaron, we and I think I think we kind of knew that we wanted Zach from Left Behind to be on the record, but other than. Mm-hmm. Aaron he was the only one that we like knew was going to be on the record and then mm-hmm. after the album came about Vincent was like what about Jess and I was like well I mean, mortality rate's sick but what are you thinking for her like her voice is real distinct um yeah and then I just I mean like I said I, I trust Vincent a lot I trust his judgment especially on the like vocals and lyric side like he I don't think he gets enough credit as far as like being a lyricist and just his ideas like I think just the sound and the nature of the band being so kind of like angry mosh meathead heavy, like yeah. his, his judgment isn't valued as much as it should be. And uh, that was kind of one of those things where like, I loved mer- mortality rate still do, but I was like, I don't know where she's going to fit, but if you think it's going to work, fuck yeah. Like her voice rules. <laughs> and uh, when I got that track back, I like, I, I didn't even really I didn't know Jess on a personal level and I just like messaged her this massive thing. I was like, you made this like like I already love this song. I I loved that it was like weird and kind of kind of like a death metal song, kind of not uh but you like solidified this is my favorite track on the album. Oh, that's great. I'm sure it's that's gonna be a fan favorite too. Yeah, it I seems mean, like a lot the... of people like that one. I'm pumped on yeah, that. Yeah. It hits super, super hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it uh that was like a that was one that i didn't think was gonna even make the record because it was so different like i had sent that before we'd even that was one of like the early demos that i made and i was like well this is pretty metal like i i knew mm-hmm. we wanted to go like a bit more of like the like the hardcore sound of the band but that yeah. one just kind of like flew out in a way of like it, to me that's more like a cannibal corpse style hardcore or uh like death metal like them and cattle calf those were who i was like if i could make a hard song but sound like them that's tight and uh that was it, it worked out and i i was super nervous sending it to the band because i was like fuck like this is probably my i think that was my first or second demo that i made for the album and i was like Ugh, they're probably <laughs> not gonna like this because it's like i mean borderline like a power metal song um yeah yeah and and when everybody liked it, I was just like, all right, cool. Fuck yeah. Like if, if they like it and they want to use it, then I can just own the fact that I love this song. <laughs> uh, it's a great song. I think you killed it on that one for sure. 
Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, uh, let's move on to the longest track on the album, which also has the longest name. <laughs> <laughs> I breathe in the smoke deeply. It tasted like death and I smiled. That, uh, fun fact, that was actually the original name of the record. Um, like I, I said before that, like Vincent knew that we were going to call it slow decay, but the original <laughs> title that he wanted to use was I breathe in the smoke deeply. It tasted like death and I smiled and I loved it. And yeah. I thought it was so cool, like using a really long title for that. And I was at least happy when he changed what he thought it should be called. I was at least happy that the song name was still getting used. Um, that was a Devin song. Devin wrote that entire song. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm sure somebody had something to tweak with it. I know him and Randy fucked with it a lot, but by mm-hmm. the time that I heard it, that was pretty much it. And it's funny. Um, I was like, I was super not about it at first, not cause it mm-hmm. was a bad song, but I was just like, we just did a doom record. Like it comes in waves is the doom record. Pe- and, and, I think a lot of my motivation behind Slow Decay was kind of my own insecurities about It Comes in Waves being answered. Mm-hmm. Like, I I thought It Comes in Waves was going to be career-ending in a way. Like, I was like, mm-hmm. people are going to hate this. Like, we love it, and I think this is what the band should be doing, but I really think that people might fucking hate this. But I don't know. It was just something that we as people needed to do, you know? Um yeah, And I think because it wasn't out yet, I was super insecure about it where I was like, no, we've got to be like this whole record just has to fucking hit so that when people mm-hmm. hate it comes in waves, we can shut them up with like the heaviest record we've ever done. So because mm-hmm. of that, I was like not pumped on any of the doomier songs at first. And I was like kind of fighting for them to not make the record. But that was uh, breathing. I breathe in the smoke smoke deep is i think that's vincent's favorite song obviously devin loves it because he wrote it and i mean we all love it like i i thought it was a great song but i just didn't know i i didn't for what i saw the record being i didn't see how it fit and i'm really Mm -hmm. glad that like the the majority ruled on that one and that's one of the songs that got used because it's so good and it it's the good breath of breath of air that the record needs because those first five songs are all real hard hitting and i mean the whole record in general is really hard hitting but I think that was the the break and the breath that like the listeners need to kind of like digest something a little different. And I, I love that song. And and Zach oh, yeah. just Zach everything that Zach does is sick. Like there's a I mean, left behind at this point, I think it's no no secret that they're like our best friends. Like me and Kevin played guitar and drums for them for a whole tour with the Acacia Strain mm-hmm. where we were playing two sets every night. Devin manages them like it was just kind of a no brainer that we wanted Zach to be on it. And he sounds so good on it. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree. No, it's, it's cool. It is, it is that good, that good halfway point in the album to like introduce something, something a little different or give it a different vibe. And it's not like it, you know, it completely kills any vibe of the record, but I think it's mm-hmm. cool that it brings back that doomier aspect to, it comes in ways like, 
for, you know, maybe the people who got into the band because of that album, you know, or the, the hardcore mm-hmm. fans that, that love that album. It's like a cool kind of nod to it in a sense, I think. Yeah, totally. And I think that's what made me eventually, like, once It Comes in Waves came out, I had no worries about Slow Decay. Like, once I saw, like, mm-hmm. oh, people love this at our weirdest, they're definitely going to, like the more classic sound with some weird elements added to it, you know? Um, Oh yeah. Cause like I said, like I didn't, I didn't want to just try to copy like continent wormwood, but I wanted that to be a feeling that was revisited. Cause it had been a couple albums since any of that, but I'm really happy that we still put some of the doom stuff on because that's, that's who we are now. And I, I'm really glad that we like honored the, the revamped sound of things as well mm-hmm. as like, the newer things that we're all doing with the current lineup. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, I think it fits perfectly in this album. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm very glad that we put that on there. <laughs> awesome. Uh let's go on to uh Crossgates. Fun fact about Crossgates: It is named after the mall that we go to in upstate New York. <laughs> uh, oh no, shit! <laughs> we, yeah, we—that's like the mall right near Vincent's house, and uh, we are a mall band. Like we, when we're on tour, <laughs> we go to a mall every single day before we go to the venue. Like we're the kind of band that we drive overnight to be in the town that we have or the city that we have to be in the next day, and mm-hmm. we wake up at a mall and we just walk around and drink coffee and get food or just like, I don't know zone out and just do laps around the mall but uh it's cool that vincent (laughs) named it crossgates because we like love that mall um but that was honestly that was another like hard one to write that was one that was another one that i did um and i I don't know i I don't know if it's because i i have such like a i'm I'm really into like i I don't want to say progressive music because i don't think Mm -hmm. that's accurate like i don't really i don't listen to like dream theater on a daily basis but like my three favorite bands are like mastodon neurosis at converge and there's a ton of like prog stuff in it that Mm -hmm. writing like super stripped down songs i have to like i have to just kind of trust myself that i know what sounds good and that was one that that was another one of vincent's ideas like let's do just like a like a quick ripper like we had just toured with knocked loose and kubla Khan, and mm-hmm. their like two biggest songs are like just a quick minute and a half long fucking like ass beater <laughs> of a mosh part and he was like yo those songs go over like we don't have anything like that like those are i mean we watch knocked loose and like kubla Khan every day when we're on tour with them because we just like them yeah. as people and as a band so i mean we watch them a lot and we were like yo those are our favorite songs of theirs too like we get the most pumped mm-hmm. during that we don't have that. Let's make a song that like is going to pump us up in that same respect. And then know that like, it's a quick ripper that like fans are going to really enjoy because of that. So, so I mean, those two bands were like a big influence on it. And I think you could probably even hear that like by that, but Mm -hmm. that was one that because my brain is always like thinking in layers and thinking about how like big something could sound going with like 
two riffs and making them count was really difficult for me. But I, Mm -hmm. it was another thing where like, once the idea came to me, I think I wrote cross gates in like 25, 30 minutes. Like I, like I, I I feel, I feel like sometimes people think of how quick I write songs as being like, I don't care about it, but it's really just like the idea hits me all at once. And I'm, I'm just really like, I'm so quick with like making a recording session that I just gets out of me really fast. And I know how to, I know to get the song where I want it to be. And that was a cool Mm -hmm. one. And then um, all the like cool noisy stuff that goes over the bass parts, the bass and drum breaks is all Mm -hmm. Randy doing like fun stuff on his OP one, like a, this little tiny keyboard thing that can just make the craziest sounds on the planet. So that was kind of like a nice, a best of every world. Like we've got a quick little thing, but we also get to do some really weird noise stuff on it. So that was a fun yeah. one to do. And I mean, it's got like three lyrics, so it's pretty easy for people to remember too. <laughs> yeah. Apart apart from that song, just, you know, being like a quick ripper, when you guys are writing, are you conscious of how long the songs are? Or is it like not so much of an issue? Or is it just like kind of whatever feels right? Um, It's kind of whatever feels right. I So another thing about this record, and this is kind of, this is kind of my philosophy on everything i'm like Mm. a diehard for the pop song structure like i think it works so well and it was um cattle decapitation they're i'm always so bad at pronouncing the name of it that it's like the anthropomorphocene i don't know yeah the the record that that came out in 2015 (laughs) that one um that record i think is one of the best metal records ever and when you listen to it like it is a pop record, but it's mm-hmm. with like the most chaotic shit on the planet. But that's where I think like you need a simple song structure to keep it grounded in some way. Like obviously mm-hmm. there's examples of like Neurosis and Mastodon that are the opposite of pop bands, but they they make it work. But I don't know. For me, I really, really love like simple structures with cool parts. And mm-hmm. so that kind of just naturally made me not ever write songs that are too long you know like it was Mm -hmm. like okay i've got a couple different parts i know how i want to lay them out and i'm gonna just make them transition into each other so so yes and no like about the song length um Mm -hmm. it's more just like a I, i i'm more conscious of how long each piece of it is because i know how many times they're gonna go if that makes any sense yeah no that definitely makes sense i always wondered that just like because I know it's it's harder for certain bands to, you know, get people interested in songs if they're nine minutes long or, you know, unless, oh, you, totally, unless you're yeah. like between the bear to me or something, you know, it's like it's yeah. hard to it's hard to get people really, really into it if it goes over like, you know, four or five minutes or so. So I was just curious. Yeah, that's actually why we um we broke It Comes in Waves into seven songs. Even though it's one mm-hmm. long song, we broke it into seven tracks because it was like we thought I mean one, we thought each like section stood very well on its own, but uh like I think it's a lot easier for anybody, myself included, like to see seven tracks that flow into each other than one mm-hmm. track that's 30 minutes long like it's like as much as i love like dope smoker from sleep the like mm-hmm. 70 minute long track like yeah if that was broken <laughs> into a few different sections i think i would listen to it more because i could i don't know i could I, I just feel like i can digest it better in that way so that's yeah. like kind of the school of thought that we had with it comes in waves of like 
we know this is going to be one big thing and we want people to hear it from front to back. And that's where like the, the track listing of being one sentence comes into play, like Mm -hmm. showing that it should be listened from front to back. But uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's like that whole mentality of like, is somebody going to listen to a 30 minute long song? Probably not, but I think they'll listen to seven songs that make 30 minutes, you know? Absolutely. No, you you nailed it. Um, (laughs) Was that, was that written as like, like collectively just like a 30 30 minute piece of music or was it like over time like different things kind of woven together that just like that kind of completed it it was um i mean we knew the whole time that we were gonna transform it into one giant song but Mm -hmm. because of the way for for me because of the way that like i had said it the the idea was really hard to grasp through talking to Vincent. I was just writing songs and mm-hmm. we could pick things apart. Like the uh, was and names. Those are two and, and um, our actually our was mm-hmm. and names. Those were three that I wrote that we, that were just like standalone songs that fit where they were supposed to fit, but they like, they were meant to start and end there. And we worked it out to be like, how can we go into something else? Cause we wanted it to feel that way. But because of how confusing, like grasping the concept was, I just wrote yeah. songs. Cause I was like, I can't, I can't mentally <laughs> handle trying to write a 30 minute song if I don't know how any of it's supposed to feel. So <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I'm going to just write a couple songs and we could pick them around. But those, uh, those three are like songs that I had wrote from front to back that we actually, another thing about it, names was actually, a song from front to back and then Griffin found something in my demos that worked really well to be the outro. Like that whole outro was a piece of a different song that just worked so well with the bulk of names that it was like, it flowed right into it. Uh, I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, it was definitely a thank, thank God Griffin was down to like, he was just so obsessed with getting the arrangement right that he was like the one to take the battle of like, compiling all our demos and fucking with it like we would obviously work on it with him but he was the one who did that like mostly and i i could not ever thank him enough because i think my brain would have exploded trying to like comb (laughs) through demos of 20 songs and figure out like a bar or two that works here and then a a, a six minute section that works here he he has the patience that i don't think i have for that that's crazy kudos to him it's probably hard enough as a collective (laughs) trying to put together something like that and have one person that's like oh yeah i got this don't worry like yeah and then (laughs) and it's kind of funny too because of that though that like when it came to uh i mean i can laugh about this now i think we could all laugh about this now but like the only big fight of it comes in waves was actually like the day before we started recording it and because griffin had already like we had an arrangement that was like pretty solidified for a few months and Mm -hmm. then when we went to go track it vincent was like oh hey uh i don't like this part like i think this part is not good enough (laughs) i think we could do this and griffin was like it's been like this for seven fucking months are you kidding me and like I, i mean that i feel like I feel like you have to be in that scenario to understand why it frustrated him. Like it wasn't like him just freaking out out of nowhere. It was like he had put a lot of work into it and had gotten approved for seven months before we went to go record it. And then the last second Vincent's like, Hey, wait, let's change this. So he was bummed on that. But, but uh, everything, even, even now he actually made a post recently, like talking about the fight that occurred from that. And he was like, 
But yeah, uh, what we put out was correct. So you win, Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, sometimes you got to you gotta know when you're right and know when you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, and, and sometimes arguments have to happen to get the best product. So I'm never, exactly. none of us are ever afraid to argue with each other when it comes to that. So it was, uh, it was an argument that needed to happen for the better good of the record. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, let's, uh, let's move on to uh, Inverted Person. This, this and China Master, uh, mm-hmm. those obviously both came out on the same seven inch, and that was the mm-hmm. seven inch that I was like, "This sucks!" Like I was so not pumped on it. And those were uh-huh. I wrote all of China Master, and uh, Inverted Person was one that me, Griffin, and Devin had written together on a day off, mm-hmm. and like like from a tour, like we had just gotten an Airbnb and we set up to write, and it was. Uh, just all like it was a lot of my riffs and we kind of all just worked on like the the progression and like the structure of it together but it was it was kind of with inverted person I still kind of have this thing of like going back to how I said like I've really got to write things on my own and then tweak them that for the longest time I felt like there was something missing and there's still like a a small like maybe like five percent piece of me that when I hear inverted person, I'm like, ah, I want to just do one different part. Like the, 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 the chorus of it. That's really what bums me out. Like I, mm-hmm. I, that was a chorus that I kind of just like put something there as like a placeholder and then never had a chance yeah. to go back to, but everybody else really liked it. So I was like, mm. oh God, I guess I'm stuck with this chorus that I'm not pumped <laughs> on. Um, but I've seen a ton of people say that that's like their favorite song and that and china master in the same way like china master was the very first demo that i made for the album um and i i i wanted to kind of like do something that like was a call back to like jfc like not mm. in the sense of like let's rewrite jfc but jfc is probably the simplest song that the band has like it's kind of like one rhythm the entire time and then one other part uh yeah but but it works really well live and it's one of my favorite songs to play live i was like what if what if we could do that again like not not rip off jfc but what if we can do that kind of thing again where it's like a really simple song that vocals just carry and it's got a cool feel to it and uh that's how china master was for me but because Mm -hmm. of that where it was like it was the really simple song and then it came out along with the song that was my least favorite of the album I was like, fuck, mm. there's no way that this seven inch is going to go over well. And that's everyone's favorite one. And it, it yeah. kind of blows my mind about that. But those two songs, I kind of think of uh, almost as one song because it, it brought up a lot of the same feelings of like, ah, I, this isn't exactly where I would want it to be at, but everyone mm-hmm. else in the band is pumped on it. And I mean, the the people have spoken. I think the the overall favorite that I've seen maybe now is crippling poison, but before that was definitely mm-hmm. either inverted person or China master. So I was just like, all right, I mean, that's cool. But 
it was uh, it was honestly a big shock to me i thought that the uh that seven inch with those two songs coming out i thought that was going to be the one where people maybe weren't super pumped on it but the songs have yeah. grown on me but those are still my two that i'm like i wish i could have five more minutes with these <laughs> Yeah, it's got to it's got to be weird going in with some some tracks like that and thinking like, OK, these are definitely getting thrown in the cut barrel. Like, let's move on to something else. And then, you know, turns out everyone loves it. Like, it's got to. Yeah, it's got to be kind of like a mind fuck in a sense. But at the same time, it's like, you or, know what you want, <laughs> you know, sorry. Like, sorry yeah, you, you know, you finish what you're going to say and then I'll, I'll say what oh, I was no. going to say. Yeah, but it's like at the same time, it's like you know what you want, you know what you wanted it to be, and it's like if it's not exactly that, it's you're still gonna be like, why do you people like this? <laughs> yeah, and and I think that just comes from like the the psychosis that songwriters have of like yeah. it has to be perfect, you know. Like I mm. don't if I was like a a listener, and when I do listen to them objectively, I'm like, okay, no, these are great. Like I get that. Mm-hmm. But for my own personal like fulfillment, I'm just like it. It not as much with China Master with inverted person. I'm like ah, I just want one more, one more bar to fix something. You know, <laughs> like that's how I think that yeah. song is always gonna be for me. But uh, I'm I'm glad people like it. And I mean, even the the idea of China Master, like I I think I've gotten more comfortable with doing this. But for the longest time, um, and I think it comes from like an early band that I was in when I was like in high school where I would send demos of just guitar riffs without mm-hmm. drums or bass on them that when I would send things out, people would be bored and not pumped on it. I mean, and be like big shock on that. Like no shit. They're not pumped on it. It's just a guitar <laughs> track they're listening to. But I think because of that, like I've always gotten in this mindset of like, if a song is really simple, there's no way that people are going to dig it as much. And mm-hmm like the mental hurdle of China master was like, I'm just going to send this out. The point of it is to be simple. I have to get over that for myself, you know? And I think it worked mm-hmm. out once vocals were there, but for a long time, that was something I struggled with. And those kind of feelings of like simplicity with a song and being confident with it being simple, like those kind of insecurities came back with that. But once it was like all laid down with vocals, I was like, okay, wait, yeah, this, this works. Like I'm, I'm glad mm-hmm. that we kept it simple and let it be like a very Vincent song. Yeah. Sometimes the, the simplistic route is the way to go. And that's, that's what, I, that's one of my main problems with writing too, is uh, I, I think too much in like, I can hear what I want to do like production wise mm-hmm. and things like that. But it's when when I think about too many things at once and I'm trying to do too many things and I'm like, you know what, just like take it to its simplest form, get a chord structure, you know, get just a simple skeleton and and then go from mm-hmm. there. And I mean, I, th- I feel like it's hard for some people to do that and then, you know, some people to get past that. But like you said, once, yeah. you know, Vincent was on it, it just it all kind of made sense. And, you know, sometimes it's just got to be like that. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think also like over the past i mean i've always been like pretty into pop music but over the past like two years i've become borderline obsessed with it and like a <laughs> like a i mean i don't know i mean maybe i'm just getting old and becoming boring but i think like a good pop song is the coolest thing on the planet and i don't think i could have been as comfortable with like sending something out that simple and trusting that everybody would get that like vocals carry it if it wasn't for spending so much time like analyzing instrumentals of pop songs where it's like literally the same four bars for an entire song and vocals transform oh, yeah. it. So 
I think that was like a big thing too for me with like just trusting that a voice really can transform the whole song and that maybe mm-hmm. not every song has to have a thousand layers to it, you know? Oh yeah. Some of those songs are literally like four tracks, you know, it's just, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And it really is. It's the vocal that carries it. It's, it's kind of crazy how, how you're able to, to accomplish something like that, especially in the pop world where, you know, you expect everything to be crazy overproduced and, you know, yeah. corporate run type stuff, but it's it's crazy. I think it, that's, it is the artist in the end. <laughs> I think that's what like makes pop music so cool to me. Like, I mean, there's obviously rules. Like, you can't have a blast beat in a pop song, you know. <laughs> but, but like, <laughs> you can. I, I mean, when you listen to like a, um, I'm trying to think of a really good example. Like, uh, like Dua Lipa. A lot of her songs, mm-hmm. it's like they're super groovy and they're very much like a band type of pop Mm kind of thing where like there's bass, there's guitars, there's drums, but you'll have like everything drop out for two bars and horns come in and then Mm -hmm. like congas come in and then the whole thing goes back to where it was. And I was just like, like I think like really get diving into the structures and what turns a pop song into like a full production really helped me with things like that on slow decay, like seeing how, you can be really random and it's okay. But as long as you've got something carrying it over and that's like what, um, China master was for me. Like that was like a song Mm -hmm. that felt really random as like a, um, an instrumental. And then once the vocals were on, I was like, okay, wait, this works perfect. (laughs) That's great. I bet a lot of people aren't going to expect that there is, you know, pop influence (laughs) in slow decay. (laughs) Dude, uh, honestly, probably there is probably more, taylor swift and dua lipa and uh lord (laughs) influence on the record than anything else and i'm being 100 percent serious i think taylor swift (laughs) is like maybe the one of the greatest artists ever to be on this earth and i will i will die on that hill (laughs) i I think it's great she's kind of she's from this area and she's i mean the reading area but it's like a half hour from here it's kind of crazy to know that she originated from here and that you know she grew up playing and doing like fairs and stuff around here now she's literally the biggest artist in the world especially with the Uh, new album (laughs) yeah which came out the same day slow decay and i was like that's pretty fucking tight actually like i was so (laughs) we shared a release date with taylor swift because i'm obsessed with her if you ever meet her then it's like a good it's like a good breaking the ice kind of moment to be like oh yeah yeah yeah. dropped on the same day (laughs) and and like her her record was a surprise i don't know if you saw my tweet but i was like oh it looks like taylor swift took a page out of the old it comes in waves book with the surprise (laughs) record (laughs) so i'll just i'll if i ever meet her i'll just do everything i can to force that conversation (laughs) (laughs) just get her to check the album out and see what she thinks (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah exactly she'll probably hate it to death but whatever it's worth being hated on <laughs> <laughs> hey you never know she seems pretty cool yeah she does <laughs> all right let's let's go into uh 1000 painful stings you think i'm scared of death
And this one has uh, Courtney LaPlante from, um, oh my God, what is the name of the band? Spirit Box. There it is. Yes, formerly uh, formerly Ira Little Bear once also, which I don't I don't think yes. many people realize that. But uh, yeah, she crushed it on that. Her, it's funny because her she wasn't planned to be a guest spot. It was like mm-hmm. one of those things where we all felt like something was missing, and we uh we knew somewhere on the record we wanted like a droney female voice, and I mm-hmm. I feel like some people get kind of like upset nowadays if that's like you purposely go out wanting a female voice but i don't i don't think that's weird like i think that's a some like there's a obviously a clear distinction between like what a male voice does and what a female voice does so i don't understand why some people get upset with that but if they do fuck off sorry that's what we did (laughs) um but we we were trying to get uh we're trying to get julie christmas or chelsea wolf on it and we had started talking to both of them a bit and it just kind of just seemed like it wasn't going that route so like where it was going to work out that way and we we just kind of bailed on the idea and then we were getting mixes back from randy and we were all just kind of like fuck man like this song needs something like we're we're still missing something and we were talking in the group chat of like who we could get and at that point we were kind of over the idea of like a cool sung female voice and we were just like what can we do here like i can does it need like a riff? Like, should I record some riffs and send it over and we'll just do like a weird, like noise thing there or what? Mm -hmm. And then I think it was Devin out of nowhere. was like, Holy shit. How did I not think of Courtney? And we were all like, Whoa, that's, that's sick. Cause like those guys have toured with I wrestled a bear once when she was in the band. And I never knew Courtney until after she did the spot, but I'm really good friends Mm -hmm. with uh, her husband, Mike, who plays guitar and, spirit box and was also an i wrestled a bear once with her and uh when devin said that it was like holy shit she's perfect for it and then i think literally the next day she had sent us it sent it back to us and it was like yep this the song is finished now like it was exactly oh, what the song needed so her i i can't thank her enough for that part of that song no uh, it she does she fits that song perfectly it's it's droney and weird but it's like I feel like it's what it needs, you know, it definitely with the way the structure of the song is and the way the song, you know, is as a whole, it, it definitely fits it perfectly. Yeah. And it's funny too, because originally we weren't even going to say that it was her and I don't, I actually mm-hmm. still to this day don't know how it ended up that we were like, it was like a thousand painful things featuring Courtney. Cause originally it was like her lyrics weren't going to be in the record sleeve, which I don't think they are in the record sleeve, but it was supposed mm-hmm. to be like a mystery. I don't know where that changed, but when I, when the, the seven inch came out and I saw her name, I was like, Oh, okay. Well, I mean, that's fine. That's cool. Cause I think she sounds great and I'm glad that people know it's her, but yeah, mm-hmm. that was uh that was originally supposed to be a, um like a secret and it's just funny, but I'm glad it worked out. Cause I don't know. I think people, I think it was like, people were really excited to see her name specifically on it just cause of, being fans of spirit boxer i wrestled a bear once and that was uh mm-hmm. that was another song that we had all written kind of together that was like a a day off on the tour kind of thing and i came in with uh the main riffs of that song are all mine like the intro that like droney thing the verse the chorus and then that clean mm-hmm. part and i think what makes the song other than courtney is like devin came out with that crazy uh like slammy part at the end of it and actually yeah uh griffin had completely changed the drums like the program drums for the verse where it it totally 
totally, totally changed the idea that I had with it and what I thought was supposed to be there. And then after listening to it, I was like, whoa, this this new drum beat and making it be like a punk beat rather than just like this weird dissonant thing had Mm -hmm. it totally like brought the energy up in that song. So that was one that like at first I was I had those kind of feelings of like, I didn't I didn't get to go crazy by myself on this. But once I heard um griffin change up those drums on it and then once we were able to end the song because i was just tapped on where to go with it and Devin brought that riff in i was like oh wait here we go this this song's fucking sick now (laughs) and i I, what kevin did on drums with that too and and that's another thing i haven't mentioned yet we or maybe i did we had done drums last and Mm -hmm. did them like three weeks after we had done all the other stuff and kevin did them in new jersey um at at graphic nature just because randy like really knows that drum room and he i mean it's the best sounding drum room i've ever witnessed in my life um so and the time was there and the spot was open so we did them that way but i had been hearing like the demo and we had programmed drums pretty close to it just to like obviously get exactly what we wanted to feel out of it but once i heard Mm -hmm. kevin with like the double bell thing going i was like holy shit (laughs) and that became one of my favorite songs when i wasn't super pumped on it originally it's cool though it's it's cool hearing that drums were done last as opposed to like you know the more common drums first type thing yeah i'm a a big advocate for that like because because when drums are done the song is done you know like Mm -hmm. you can't really go back in and change much once drums are there but if you do drums last like you can like having vocals done like we could have we changed things around in like in vocal tracking of like Vincent having a couple lines. He was like, can we, can we extend this? And if we had done drums first, it's like, we never could have done that kind of stuff, you know? Yep. No, that's, that's cool. I actually, I never really thought of going about it that way. That's awesome. I like that a lot. Yeah. For some bands that like, I, I don't think, I feel like it would be super weird for like, for like your band to do that. Cause it's, you're very much like a jammy kind of like yeah. you're a rock band, you know, like where you're, you're all like ripping in a room, literally mm-hmm. just shredding everybody. But uh, <laughs> for a band like us, where it's like a lot more, I don't know, like math and like a grid, I think it's more important, yeah. you know, but, I, but with metal bands, I think it's the coolest thing. And I'm like a huge advocate for doing drums last with everything. Oh, that's awesome. Fuck yeah, dude. Um, yeah, let's cool uh, let's go on. Yeah, let's move on to uh, let's see. Uh, Birds of Paradise, Birds of Prey. We can kind of lump these last two together even because these were both written by Devin. Um, oh, cool. With, with, like I said, like, I mean, everything that I'm saying, like where something is written by one person, like I said, like everything was gone through mm-hmm. and like kind of combed together. But um, Birds of Prey is probably my favorite Devin song on the whole album. It's one of my favorite songs on the entire record. And the I, I don't know what happened. I was talking to somebody recently about this too. I don't, I didn't hear the very intro of that song and somehow until we were 
tracking like final guitars or maybe even like when I was tracking bass with Griffin, but I don't know if it was like, I just wasn't in the room whenever the song would start. And I, or cause I was like working on something. I would like pop my head in. I'd be like, all right, I'll be right in. Like just start it. And I'll come in there thinking that it was like a second later. And then mm-hmm. turns out a whole minute's gone by that I missed. But when I heard that <laughs> intro of birds of prey, I was like, what the fuck is this? Like I didn't, like I said, like I wasn't trying to do the doomy stuff and all I had heard because I somehow missed the intro of that. And that's the only time that song is like super brutal, heavy kind of like that. Uh, I was like, oh, this is just another doom song. Like, I don't think this fits. Mm-hmm. And then when I finally heard the intro, I was like, whoa, this is one of the heaviest things that this band has ever done. This is awesome. And <laughs> just hearing that intro made me understand the whole song so much more. And I loved it after that. That's awesome. I absolutely love that the the opening riff in Earth Will Become Death. I like that the oh, little yeah. walk down part that's in there. Like, I don't know what it is about it, but the, the first <laughs> time I heard that, I was like, Oh shit. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Devin's really, really good at like the, the kind of like chromatic descending thing where like you think the yeah. riff's going to end, but then he keeps going a few more frets. And I feel like that's just <laughs> like, that's like Devin's thing, you know? And you can, yeah. that's how I can always tell like a Devin riff on past records when it's like, it descends in that manner. Um, but yeah, those two songs crush it. Like the, like I said, those were two that at first I I don't know if I was as pumped as I should have been on them. But once mm-hmm. I like accepted what the record was and could look at it from more of like a, OK, here's what we have, not what Tom thinks every moment should be. Like once I I guess mm-hmm. once I started becoming more of a team player, that's when I was like, wait, these songs are fucking awesome. You know, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, the, the the first time I heard that that riff in Earth Will Become Death, I was like, it was. I listened to a lot of uh, stuff like Torch and Acid mm-hmm. Bath, and actually, yeah, I'm same. working on a project right now with some friends doing stuff like that, and it hit me hard. Like I was like, oh, there's this sounds like some kind of like influence there with that. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Yeah, those are um, those are definitely cool songs. I uh, I'm really. I mean, I've said it before already, but I can't emphasize enough how like how much I'm glad with how the track listing came out because even, yeah. uh, even like a week or two after we were done at the studio, I, I don't know what it was. I, and I think it's probably just the thing that I always do where like once something is solidified, I go back and listen to it and I'm just looking for flaws where mm-hmm. I remember texting Randy like a week later. I'm like, dude, I've listened to these demos a million times. I really hope I'm just going nuts. Tell me if you think I'm going nuts. Like, cause I mean, Randy's one of my best friends, like outside of music. Like I talk to him almost mm-hmm. every day and I was like, I need you to be like, not our producer. I need you to be my friend. Am I crazy or <laughs> like, is this record not as good as it needs to be? And he was like, as your friend, you are absolutely going crazy. This is insane, <laughs> this album. And that's when I was kind of like, 
okay, I have to trust you. I have to finally like find it in myself to stop being yeah. nuts and just trust you. And then once that kind of happened, and especially once I heard drums over it, that's when I drums was when I like got a bit more confident with it because like I said, like mm-hmm. drums were done a few weeks later. Um, but when I, we started getting mixes back, that's when I was like, okay, I love this mm-hmm. record and I'm, I'm so proud of like what we did on it. But yeah, there was like a, a couple of weeks where I was like, fuck, I don't know if I like this record even. And now in hindsight, <laughs> I fucking love it. And there's like not one, I mean, there's little things that I would love to go back in and add, but I mean, as far as an album goes, like I'm, I think as happy as I could be with this record. I don't think, I think yeah. anything else would just be changing what the record is, you know? Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's a lot that you guys could have changed to, to really <laughs> make it any better. I, I think it's, I think it's a, probably it's my favorite Acacia Strain release. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, thank you for that. I've seen a lot of people saying that, and that alone blows my mind. Like, I mean, it, we're we're not a, a young band, not a new band, and mm-hmm. people's attention spans yeah. are not what they used to be. You know, so like for. For people to one even care about our new music, but then for them to like it so much that, like, I mean, I see people. I've seen a lot of people tweeting like, "I can't believe that Warmwood and Continent have been dethroned by this band." And I mean, that was my <laughs> whole fucking objective, you know. Like I said before, like I, I wanted to shut people up by like who, who kept saying like band needs DL like that. My whole motivation for this record was to shut people up who think that and i think we did that oh, yeah. and i'm really proud of that oh uh, i absolutely agree with you yeah fuck awesome. yeah dude thank we you did man. it we, we, <laughs> yeah we it only album. it only took awesome. it only took a really long time it only took twice as long <laughs> as the record is to play three times as long as the record is to listen to <laughs> oh man who cares about that the, the only the, the last thing i wanted to bring up is uh the fucking the album artwork is incredible <sighs> It's so sick, man. I think it is, that that was like the what really solidified the whole thing as what it is to me. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously the songs I mean, were done before that, but that record artwork is so fucking mm-hmm. good. Yeah, I'm going from just from the artwork from like the last six releases or so. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's you know very kind of colorful and bright but it's like it's got that like that doom sense to it where it's like, you know, you look at it and you know it, you're going to get kicked in your head. But looking at Slow Decay at the artwork, it's like, hmm. <laughs> it, like, it, it really does tie the whole thing together. It kind of, uh, it does what like mid, the movie Midsommar does, you know, where it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's like the most beautiful, like bright colors movie on the planet. And I think that's what kind of makes it even more scary of a movie. Like, you know, like it's, mm-hmm it's just this level of like this is beautiful to look at but there's something scary going on underneath it and that makes the beautiful thing not trustworthy and that's kind of like yeah. what i think of the like the cover of slow decay like it looks really pretty but you know what band it is so you can't trust yeah. that it looks pretty you know <laughs> exactly oh man well dude thank just you to, so and- much for Real oh, quick, just to give a shout out to who did the rec- uh, the album artwork. It's Kaylin Stockerman. If anybody, I think it's at Kaylin Stockerman Arts on Instagram. Just if anybody wants to check that out, I just want to always give oh, him perfect. and anybody else involved like uh, 
just for the sake of giving more props, Randy LaBeouf, anybody mm-hmm. who is thinking about doing a record and has like some, I mean, obviously like, I mean, he'll do really small bands. Like he's somebody that like wants to do good records, but anybody who is yeah. like looking for a full record experience, like I, I, I don't see a world where we're not going back to Randy. We all loved working <laughs> at Randy. Like we've all known him for years, but he is mm-hmm. just somebody who gets it with bands. And I think his track record of like bands that he's worked with sh- speaks to that. So Kalen Stockerman mm-hmm. for the artwork, Randy LaBeouf for like the production and the, actually being the hands-on producer of it i just want to make sure that they get the praise they deserve oh absolutely this is the this is the second the second randy album on the show we did a cryptodira oh fuck yeah it's back i love those dudes i uh, I I interviewed scott and mike for my podcast and i they're just so much fun to talk to they're such a good band (laughs) oh yeah yeah i had i had scott on and it was it was awesome talking to him again i haven't seen him since well, since the Hulu tour in 2015, so it was it was really cool to catch up with him again. And he's yeah, a big hockey they, nerd too, so it kind of works out. <laughs> yeah, he rules. I I was I was texting him last night, just nerding out about Between the Barrier and Me, <laughs> and we just always uh, oh, yeah. text each other, nerding about out about guitars. <laughs> yeah, I saw his uh, his Mordecai video, and I was like, oh man, I had I posted a video of that like a long time ago too, and it's still one of my favorite things to play. Is that that need? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Sick dudes. Shit. Absolutely. Well, dude, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time out to do this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, dude. I appreciate you having me. I had a, this was yeah. a this was a lot of fun. Oh, dude, I thank you. Uh I want to keep doing this and hopefully get some more uh some more people on to talk about some albums and I mean, if you want to pick a one of your favorite albums sometime and come back on the show, we can bullshit about, you know, whatever you want. I will I will gladly do that and uh I mean I will you're you're in a similar spot to me where you joined a cool band that you liked and that's part of what my podcast is about so I will absolutely be hitting you up to be on my podcast soon enough too <laughs> we can right trade on, on that right route on. that'd be awesome oh yeah brother well uh thank you again and uh yeah just be safe out there stay healthy and you know hopefully we'll see you guys on the on the road soon yeah, thank you, man. You too. Same, same to you guys, and same to say hello to the uh, the Crowbot guys for me for sure. Uh, I absolutely will, bud. I'll tell Alberto you said what's up too. <laughs> oh yeah, Alberto, the fucking man. I was just talking to him two days ago. I love him. Oh yeah, hell yeah, thank that's you. awesome. <laughs> absolutely, man. Well, hey, take care, bud. Yeah, you too. There it is. There's my conversation with Tom Smith from the Acacia Strain. Uh, awesome guy. He also has a podcast called Riffled Land, so make sure to check that out. He's got some awesome guests on there. If you're into songwriting or anything like that, you're definitely going to love it. Um, thank you so much again for tuning in, and you know we'll catch you next time. I'm going to play this episode out with Tom's favorite track off the album. So here it is. Here is The Lucid Dream.
Nation! The Sixth Extension! Glacial Maximum!